Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. And listen to me. This is the Fantasy Football Best Friends Forever show. Start listening to us or suffer the consequences. Pitchers and catchers are reporting the Red Sox might have a new manager and we perhaps could have a new MLB playoff format. Welcome to the Fantasy BFS live on the Sports Grid TV network. I am Frank Stample, joined as always by Greg Sussman. Greg, what's going on over in the FanDuel Sportsbook? How's it going, Greg? Frank, it is new. I'm doing fantastically, man. I'm happy to be here. Happy to be inside the FanDuel Sportsbook. I'd want to be next to you, of course, except I'm not, but it's okay. I'm doing all right. Greg, you're looking a little short in that chair, so we might have to raise you up a little bit, or you might have to uh, grow up a little bit. I don't know if we can make that happen, but <laughs> maybe Window Will can We're help you out. We're kind of the same size, Frank. Yeah, but I didn't look that small. I don't know. You might have sunk the chair down a little bit. Are you saying I'm fat? No, I would never say that. Come on, Greg. Come on, man. Feels like, feels like you're saying I'm fat. That, I would that, never say like. anything like that. Uh, Greg, we have a lot of interesting pitchers and catchers you're, to talk you're about. Your dad did. Your dad did. I didn't even prompt him to do that either. He just did it on his own. He just went out there. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, great. What's Greg, up, Frank? Not much, man. Uh, how'd you sleep last night, buddy? You know what? I slept all right. Uh, I had some dreams. I was up early despite not really having to be up early. I, my phone was buzzing. I just, ugh, I don't know. I slept okay. How did you sleep, man? Uh, I slept all right. Not bad. Of course, I stayed up too late as usual, but uh, Good. I'll try and rectify that tonight. Pitchers and catchers coming up after this news update that you will hear from Alex Fasano. Sports Grid. News update. I am Alex Fasano with your Sports Grid News update here on the Fantasy BFFs. In Major League Baseball, the Boston Red Sox will name Ron Renicki interim general manager a day before the first scheduled workout for pitchers and catchers, sources tell ESPN. Boston entered spring training without a skipper following the abrupt and shocking departure in January of Alex Cora following Major League Baseball's investigation into the Astros' sign-stealing scandal, leaving new Chief Baseball Officer Chaim Bloom to conduct an abbreviated job search a month before spring training. Boston is expected to hold a press conference tonight to announce 
uh, Renicky as interim manager. The move was first reported by the Boston Globe. The 63-year-old Renicky arrived in Boston with Alex Cora before the 2017 season, serving as bench coach. Sticking with Major League Baseball, officials are mulling significant changes to its postseason, including increasing number of teams from 10 to 14 and adding a reality TV-type format to determine which teams play each other in, a, in an expanded wild card round. Major League Baseball is considering a move in which each league would have three division winners and four wild card teams. Here's how it would work. Once the teams clinch, the regular season ends. The division winner with the second best record would select its wild card opponent from three winners. The division winner with the worst record would then choose its opponent from the remaining two teams, and the final matchup would be the wild card winner with the best record taking on the wild card team not yet chosen. All of the selections, sources said, would be unveiled live on television the Sunday night of the final regular season games. You have a full slate of NBA, NHL, and college basketball. Some you may want to consider the Chicago Bulls take on the Washington Wizards. Wizards are your three-point favorites. The total is 230. The Los Angeles Clippers visit the Philadelphia 76ers. Clippers are your point-and-a-half favorites. The total is 225 and a half. And the San Antonio Spurs visit the Oklahoma City Thunder. Thunder are your eight-and-a-half-point favorites. The total is 280. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. What's that? Oh, we have some breaking news, ladies and gentlemen, and your BFFs. Uh, it apparently seems that Greg Sussman turns 53 today. Happy birthday, Greg Sussman, from your BFF, Frankie Stamfel. All right, going to send it back to the BFFs. What do you have to say about this? 53. 20. Greg Sussman is turning 53. Greg, how does it feel to be running around at that age? Well, Frank, when I saw you earlier, uh, you said I was 43. So now I've gained uh, 10 more years in the two hours since I last saw you. Uh, so it does not feel great to be 53 years old. It does feel better to be slightly younger. Happy birthday, of course, to Greg Sussman. Fun fact, he has never invited me to his birthday party. And because of that, I had our producer downstairs, Sandro, create this fantastic video montage highlighting the life of Greg Sussman here now on the BFFs. <laughs> well, that's a great one. That was Halloween. Greg didn't invite me there either. You were invited. You had your own party. You didn't come. That's the last time Greg Sussman did push-ups. He likes pizza. He likes <laughs> cheese. True. There's no doubt about that. I do love pizza. Yeah. Oh, well, how yeah. can we forget the uh, sunbathing? <laughs> that was last year. That was, that was last year. <laughs> That's just not Greg real. Sussman was left home alone once. And there you go. The grand finale. Ah, that's my wedding. There you go. That's right. Uh, celebrating the life of Greg Sussman here on the Fantasy BFFs. Uh, but in all honesty, happy birthday, buddy. Let's, uh, are you doing anything interesting say, tonight? Can we Greg? say it how it is, Frank? Can we, can we say it how it is, uh, what, what's, what's really happening here? Because last Saturday, you were next door to my apartment. You said, hey, I'm coming by. And I'm like, cool. Let me know when you're around. You did it. I also would like to note, yesterday on this very show, you mentioned the fact that, hey, tomorrow's Dansby Swanson's birthday. Not realizing, knowing, noticing that it's your BFF's birthday. What the hell, man? Well, to be fair, on Saturday, I was very inebriated, so I apologize for that. Uh, I definitely should have hit you up when I got to the city, so that is my bad. Um, and then... Look, I thought I'd give you a little bit of <laughs> not, your... Not just in the city. 
Not just right in the, the city. Next door to my apartment. Greg, I thought I would give you a taste of your own medicine by shouting out Dansby Swanson, but not shouting out your birthday, considering I've never been invited to your birthday party. Uh, you, I threw you a massive birthday party on your birthday on November 9th this year, did I not? And that's why I'm throwing you a massive birthday party right now. Did you see that video montage? That was amazing. <laughs> It was a fantastic video montage, there's no doubt about it. I will say, however, Frankie, uh, that this morning when you realized it was my birthday, you felt bad, and that was good enough for me. I have no idea what you're talking about. Time to move over to the new MLB playoff <laughs> format, Greg. Uh, tell us what you think about this. Obviously, we're not going to spend too much time talking about this today. I really do want to get into some of the pitchers and catchers that are very interesting in fantasy baseball for the 2020 season. But I think it, we would be remiss not to at least mention, uh, talk about this at the top of the show here, Greg. Uh, expanding the playoff format to potentially 14 teams with four, uh, with four wild card teams potentially making it. Uh, and then... They would have a reality TV show, which I'm sure you would love, uh, where they get to choose their opponents in the wild card round. It would be a two out of three game playoff in the wild card round as well. Uh, and if you finish as the number one seed, you get a first round wild card bye into the divisional round. So uh, let us know what you think about this proposed MLB playoff format, uh, because Trevor Bauer is somebody who frankly hates it, Craig. You have to at least like the reality show part of it, right? So what do, you, what do you think I think of this? That's my question. I think that you are somebody who's usually up for change. Uh, if, we, if we can find ways to innovate the game and, and make things better. I don't know if this necessarily makes it better. Um, but the reality show thing actually sounds kind of interesting to me. Uh, I think all along the wild card round should be two out of three games anyway. I don't think that one game should control whether or not you make it to the playoffs after playing 162 games of baseball. Uh, I think that you would... I think there are parts of it that you would like, and then there are other parts that you wouldn't like. Does that sound accurate? It, it does, Frank. I, however, I got to be honest with you. Like I'm seeing all these, these tweets and whatnot about uh, it's just killing the game of baseball, that half the teams are going to make it, no one's going to try. My initial reaction was to be against change. I like it, man. I think it's super, super fun. I think the reality show aspect of choosing your opponent and then the nobody who believes in this theory, like, I think there's something to be said for that. Uh, I think it's fun, and I'm all about fun. I am in. I'll tell you what, these rules are better than the NBA All-Star rules. I can assure you that. Yeah, it's exactly what I brought up on FSC earlier today with Craig Mish. Uh, the, I understand trying to honor Kobe, which is great, but the way that they went about it is so like convoluted and random and not really necessary. Um, there, are, you know, there are things that I do like about this. Again, I, I like the wild card round being two out of three games. I don't think that it should just come down to a one game playoff. I understand why they do that is because they want to drive up ratings for that one specific game. So they're trying to help baseball in that regard. But at the same time, like they do that in the NFL, and they only play a sixteen game season. You can't have a one game playoff for a one hundred and sixty two game. MLB season. Uh, as for all the other stuff, it's pretty wacky. I don't know that we should have 14 teams. Uh, I don't know that we should have a reality show either, but I do like the three-game playoff in the wild card round. All right, when we come back, five pitchers and five catchers that are interesting in fantasy baseball in 2020. Greg Sussman takes over his rightful role as the host of BFFs. Once again, we come back here on the Sports Grid TV Network. 
Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash DUNK to learn more. Welcome back. It's the VBFS, my birthday edition of the program. Frank Stanfield, Greg Sussman, hanging out with you. I am in Jersey at FanDuel Sportsbook, wasting my birthday presents away in gambling. Uh, Frank Stanfield is not, but he wishes he was. Frankie, how's it hanging? I'm doing very well, Greg. kind of wish you were here in studio so that we can... Uh you know, have a little fun here, birthday celebration, blow up some balloons or something. But you know what? You weren't here, so I wasn't going to blow up the balloons for myself, you know? Just didn't make sense. It didn't feel good. <laughs> I, I, I knew there was no way you would go out of your way to blow up balloons for a studio without me in it. Uh, you'd think that Window Will or Brian would do it, but they haven't. That's okay. No big deal. Uh, they're new. They're, they're still being trained on the, the party aspects uh, over the job. But today, other than my birthday, and other than Dansby Swanson's birthday... Today is pitchers and catchers. So here on the BFFs, we thought, well, what should we talk about? We, we decided on, on pitchers and catchers because they thought it made sense. We're not just any pitchers. We've talked a lot about Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, and Jacob deGrom. But today here on the program, we wanted to get into some of the, I don't know, the, the hotter names, right? Some of these guys that you're getting a little bit later, but people are really interested in talking about. And we haven't exactly gotten that opportunity to talk about that quite yet. So we wanted to start with some of these bigger names that Frank's like, oh, I like this guy, I like this guy, I like this guy, I like this guy. Well, I want to know which, which guy I'm supposed to like. And until Frank tells me, uh, I simply don't know. So let me start with, I wouldn't call him a hype guy necessarily, but he came out last year, a little bit of aura around him. It was Griffin Canning of the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Up and down year, he was a fine streamer in most locations. This year, well, there's a little bit more hype in general. What do you, sir, think, Frank Stample, of your boy, Gryffindor Canning. I like Griffin Canning, Greg, and I think a lot of these pitchers uh, have something in common where they have some prospect pedigree. They didn't necessarily pan out the first time they came up to the MLB, but we have seen some flashes, uh, and I think that is the case from Griffin Canning. He has the pedigree, as I mentioned, a former second-round pick for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, and he has a four-pitch mix, right? A lot of these, a lot of times we'll see these prospects come up, and they'll only have two pitches that they've really, you know, mastered, and they're still working on a third pitch. He has four pitches that he uses a decent amount of the time. He has a fastball, a curve, a slider, and a change. All four of those pitches he uses at least 12% of the time, or at least that was the case last year. We saw some warning signs in the second half, Greg, but I think that he can you know, kind of rectify that this upcoming season. And he's a name to watch throughout spring training and kind of see if he's uh, worked on some of these issues. He had some struggles with walks in the second half. We saw the string swinging strike rate come back a little bit. It dropped about 2% in the second half here, Greg. But overall, still finishes the season. His first rookie campaign, 90 innings pitched with over a strikeout per inning with a nearly 14% strikeout rate. So the swing and miss is there. It's exciting. And I think the strikeouts could be there as well. He's got to work on some of that command, as I mentioned. Uh, but that's something that you should be paying attention to throughout spring training. I, I like Griffin Canning and, and where he's going right now in, in the month of February. 
223 in NFPC drafts. He's, you know, you could get him as your back end of your rotation guy, SP5, SP6. And I, I think there's some upside there with Griffin from Canning. You know, what have you seen so far uh, when looking into him? Have I said anything that entices you when it comes to Griffin Canning in 2020, Greg? I think the strikeouts are nice, Frank, um, as you mentioned. But you look at the walks, you know, uh, about three walks per nine, mediocre. I think the XFIP right around where he was uh, just a few, just last year, right? 4.58 ERA, 4.75 XFIP. So kind of kind of right around the same number. The Hoborn to fly ball ratio wasn't all that different. For, wasn't all that uh, below average or above average. It was, you know, league average. I, I think yeah, Griffin Cannon kind of is what it is. I don't know if I see the potential for him to explode all of a sudden. It's the swing and miss stuff, right? So you see that rate that he had, 13.8%. Sure. And again, I do worry about it dropping about 2% in the second half. So he does have to kind of get that swing and miss back up. The fact that he has four pitches that he can use at least 12% of the time uh, is very mm-hmm. interesting to me because he has that repertoire. He has a pitch mix that he can uh, you know, kind of keep hitters off balance here uh, and go to four different pitches this upcoming season. And remember, when he first came up, we were all excited about him because you know, you could see it when he was on the mound. He has the stuff, Greg. He kind of just has to learn how to put it all together uh, and pitch at the major league level. But I think when you see that near 14% swinging strike rate, that kind of you know raises some light bulbs uh, and gets your attention here for 2020. Uh, so I think that, you know again, if he can just kind of uh, bring those walks back a little bit, the swinging strikes bounce back. Uh, someone to pay attention to throughout spring training again, but I, I like the pitch mix here. And, you know, he's not the player that I'm most excited about that we're going to talk about today, but he is somebody that is on my radar. I'll probably have 10 teams this year, Greg. I'm probably going to want him on, let's say, two or three of them. That's too many teams in general, Frank. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> but nevertheless, here, I, I think that Griffin Canning, yeah, the repertoire is fair. I, I think he does throw four pitches, which is great. I do wonder how it'll translate to a fantasy perspective. Will he strike more guys out? Will he have more success? I don't know. But I'm kind of mediocre right now when it comes to Griffin Canning. A guy that last year started off the season really, really well was your boy Caleb Smith, former Yankee prospect Caleb Smith. And I know you were upset last year. Uh, they didn't have more of Caleb Smith. And, in fact, at the time, you didn't have more of the Marlins rotation who were all pitching pretty well. Caleb Smith did drop off in the second half. But Caleb Smith, someone that's at least worth talking about, that strikeout rate's awesome. Yeah, absolutely, Greg. And the first 11 starts, I mean, that's what, that's what really catches your attention. 3.10 ERA. And a whip under one, a 0.97 whip, his first 11 starts of the season. 34% strikeout rate fueled by a 15% swinging strike rate. So we mentioned that Griffin Canning is someone that gets swinging strikes at a near 14% clip. And league average is right around uh, 10, 10.5% to put that in perspective for you. Caleb Smith was even better than that. Uh, and he had a you know a 35% chase rate, which is higher than league average. League average right around 31%. So he gets opposing batters to swing and miss. He gets them to chase pitches outside of the zone. He's got a solid fastball. He's got a slider, uh, and he's got a change. He's, he's got a three-pitch mix, not like Griffin Canning, who has a four-pitch mix, but his three pitches are really, really solid. Reminds me a lot of Patrick Corbin, right? Like, if he can just continue to use that slider even more this upcoming season, I think that we can really see Caleb Smith kind of take off. Second half was, was a disaster. Once he got hurt, he dealt with, like, a hip injury. Uh, everything really went downhill for him. But I mentioned this to you, Greg. If he ended the season with that 11-start stretch that we saw in, in, in the first half of the season, then he would be going about 56, 
50 or 60 picks earlier than where he is going right now. So people kind of forgot what he did in that first half, and they get scared off by what he did in the second half. But I really do believe he was pitching through injury. Caleb Smith is somebody uh, who I'm definitely going to be in on that I want shares of the season, even more so than Griffin Canning in 2020. You sold uh, Caleb Smith really, really well. But the problem for me, Frank, is when you look at the numbers and you have to include the second half here. Like, the, those first 11 starts were awesome. But when it was all said and done, that XFIP was, was over 5, right? The strikeouts per 9, right around where Griffin Canning was. The walks per 9 are more than Griffin Canning was at. When you look at these numbers overall, yeah, he pitched more innings, over 150 innings last year for Caleb Smith. Yes, the uh, swinging strike rate is excellent. But those overall numbers are just... Not what you need, and you do wonder if the second half Caleb Smith is the real Caleb Smith. Yeah, I guess that's fair to worry, uh, to wonder for sure. And he really struggled with home runs last year. 1.94 home runs per nine. That is yeah. a massive amount. So he's going to have to bring that back as well. Reminds me a lot of Matt Boyd, right? Matt Boyd gets a lot of strikeouts but struggles with home runs. Same thing with someone like Robbie Ray. I think Caleb Smith is in that mold. The pro you know, What's good about him is you're getting him much later than pitchers like that. Yes, Robbie Ray is more proven, uh, and I guess you could say the same thing about Matt Boyd. But, you know, they were going at a level like Caleb Smith is going at right now at some point in the past as well. So I think Caleb Smith can get to that point. I really like what I saw in the uh, first 11 starts. And, uh, you know, look, there's a reason why he's going as late as he is, right? Like, he was bad in the second half. I'm not going to make excuses for him. But I'm going to make an excuse for him, Greg. He was pitching through a hip injury. I don't think that he was healthy last year. Uh, I think the player that we saw in those first 11 starts was closer to the player that he could be uh, when healthy. So uh, that is pretty much what I'm trusting. And you're getting him super late in drafts. Again, in the month of February, his NFBC ADP is 228.8. He's basically free at that point, Greg. That 52.5% fly ball percentage, Frankie, that's what scares me, man. He's a fly ball pitcher. I know Marlins Park is a big park, but... That's a really big number. The ground ball percentage, basically half that at 26%. I don't think I'm in on Caleb Smith either. I get it. These guys are late-run guys. Maybe I should have more faith. I don't when it comes to Caleb Smith and when it comes to Griffin Canning. So let me try again. Let me go with the third player. I know we got to get the break in a few moments. But let me get to a guy that a lot of people are high on this season, including you, and that's Mitch Keller, former top prospect for the Pittsburgh Pirates and somebody that came up and stunk last year. Why do you have hope that he won't stink again? Yeah, he was god-awful last year. He had a 7.13 ERA. But again, the underlying numbers tell a different story. He had a 3.47 XFIP. His left-on-base percentage was under 60%. So, you know, runners are getting on base, and they're scoring nearly 40% of the time. League average left-on-base rate is around 75%. He also had a 4.75 batting average on balls in play. League average is 300. He was incredibly unlucky last year. There's just no way around it. And like we've said with these other guys, he does have swing and miss stuff. A mid-90s fastball, has the curveball, has the slider, has two breaking pitches there that he can rely on. Comes with the pedigree of being a second-round pick from the Pittsburgh Pirates organization. Uh, and look at what he did in the minors as well. 539 and a third innings pitched. A 3-1-2 ERA and a 1-1-6 whip. Greg, hopefully I could talk you into one of these players, and I think it's going to be Mitch Keller. I have a feeling Mitch Keller is going to be the guy that you talk me into because that prospect pedigree is going to get me, man. So we'll see if I can buy in to Mitch Keller. We'll come back. we got a whole lot more pitchers and hitters to talk about. Pitchers and catchers are here. We'll break it down for you next.
Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash DUNK to learn more. From the FanDuel Sportsbook, Greg Sussman, Frank Stample. It's your BFS, pitchers and catchers today. So let's continue to talk about pitchers and catchers. Frank, we left off on Mitch Kella, a top prospect for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Came up last year and stunk. You're in the midst of trying to explain to me why it's going to be different in 2020. Yeah, so I spoke about this a little bit before the break. It reminds me a lot of someone like Blake Snell, right, Greg, who comes up, gets his first taste of the MLB, uh, and does not pitch well, gets shellacked, comes back the next year, and, and starts to put it together. And we've seen this before with all different types of prospects, not just pitching prospects. Let's talk about Mike Trout, right? Mike Trout came up and was not Mike Trout right away. He actually struggled quite a bit in his first season. So I think that's what we're looking at here with Mitch Keller. There were underlying signs that were, uh, you know, uh, encouraging. The swinging strike rate, again, was higher than league average for Mitch Keller. He averaged over 12 Ks per nine. Uh, and when he came back to the majors last year, if you remember, he came up like late May, made like three starts into June, uh, and then got sent back down because that's how bad he was. And, and then when he came back in August, his final eight starts, we saw the walks really go down to about two and a half walks per nine. The Ks per nine were still over 12 per game. So... You know, you like to see those things, a bounce back there from Mitch Keller. Uh, and the swinging strike rate, the chase rate, the first pitch strike percentage, all of those numbers went up when he came back his second time around, those final eight starts for Mitch Keller last year. And I think that's something that he could build on heading into this year. The Pirates are not going anywhere this upcoming season, Greg. So I think that they're going to give Mitch Keller every opportunity to stay in that rotation and, and try and figure things out at the major league level. Reminds me a little bit about Blake Snell when he first got sent down uh, and then came back and pitched better after that. I don't know that Mitch Keller has Blake Snell-type upside, but I think based on where he's going uh, and the prospect pedigree that he has, he's someone that I'm going to have on a lot of my teams as well. Yeah, I think Mitch Keller, the more I look at him, you look at that top prospect pedigree, and I think you mentioned Blake Snell there. And, and Snell was very similar. It was, he couldn't get deep into games. He didn't have an opportunity to grow. And then all of a sudden, as Mike Florio called it, he did. And Mitch Keller, he's going later than he would have had to draft Blake Snell two years ago. He doesn't, he doesn't uh, cost you all that much in drafts. I think the upside is simply higher than it is for a Griffin Canning or a Caleb Smith going around the same spot. I think there's a lot to like with Mitch Keller. I'm most intrigued by Keller than the other two players we've mentioned thus far. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, and again, he's going in a similar range, so you want to pick and choose who you want out of these prospects, these players who have upside. Uh, Mitch Keller, again, going at around the same range as these guys, like the 220 to 240 range right now in NFBC ADP. Uh, I'll have a few of all of these players, but Mitch Keller is probably the one that I like most uh, that we've talked about thus far. And, and then, you have 10 teams, Frank. Yeah, I have 10 teams, so I can kind of diversify. I can get all the prospects I want. Greg, it is worth mentioning that the draft champions that I'm doing right now, Mitch Keller is on that team. Yeah, I also think it's worth mentioning, you look at the ERA, over 7, the XFIP, 
just three and a half, right? You look at the case per nine, over 12. That's way more than Caleb Smith and Griffin Canning. The walks, right around the same number. I like Mitch Keller a heck of a lot more than I like Caleb Smith and Griffin Canning. All right, a couple more pitchers I want to get to, Frank, before we move on to the catcher portion of the program. And it's a player that we want to make sure fantasy owners do not forget about as they head toward their drafts. It's Michael Kopech of the Chicago White Sox. Burst on the scene two seasons ago. Then a Tommy John missed all of last year, but he should be close to ready to rock come March and April. Can Michael Kobeck kind of do what he did when he came up the first time with the White Sox? I think he can, right? It, look, this is a flamethrower, a guy that throws mid to high upper 90s. He has the strikeout potential, uh, and he was absolutely ridiculous at the minor league level, too. Like, Throw out all the numbers I mentioned when it comes to like Mitch Keller and Griffin Canning and all these guys. Kopeck was even better than that when he was in the minor leagues. So he pitched you know, right around 400 innings in his minor league career, a 3.05 ERA, a 1-2-1 whip, 514 strikeouts in 395 innings pitched. He might not have a role in the rotation uh, right out of the gate for the Chicago White Sox. Again, he's working his way back from Tommy John. But it is worth reminding people that the Tommy John surgery he had was back in September of 2018. So everything that I've read is that he's going to have no restrictions in uh, spring training. He's going to have an opportunity to make the rotation. They did sign Gio Gonzalez, uh, and they have Dylan Cease penciled, penciled in as their uh, fifth starter in their rotation. He does come with some prospect pedigree as well. We saw a little bit of him last year, uh, and he really, really struggled in the majors. So it, all it takes is Gio Gonzalez to basically be Gio Gonzalez or Dylan Cease to struggle early on in the season. And then I think we see Michael Kopech back in the rotation. Honestly, Greg, his upside might be the highest of all the pitchers we're going to talk about today. Uh, and he's actually going later than these names, about 40, 50 picks later than some of these guys that we're talking about. And the only reason I think so is because he doesn't have a solidified uh, spot in the rotation right out of the gate here in 2020. Is Michael Kopech the top pitching prospect that you're drafting this year? I think he is in the mix. Uh, him and Forrest Whitley, we spoke about this yesterday off air. I think people are you know, kind of going way too far the other way when it comes to Forrest Whitley right now. And he could have an opportunity in that Astros rotation as well. They do like Jose Urquidy. They're going to give him a spot. Uh, he's the fourth starter there. And then Brad Peacock, who we've kind of seen as like a swing man in his career. Sometimes he's in the bullpen. Sometimes he's in the rotation. He doesn't really go deep into games either. I think that if Forrest Whitley is pitching well early on this season in the minor leagues, then he's going to get a shot to be that fourth or fifth starter in the Astros organization. He struggled mightily last year. There's no defending Forrest Whitley, but I still think the upside is there, and he was someone who pitched incredibly, incredibly well in the Arizona Fall League as well, Greg. So it's Michael Kopech and Forrest Whitley are the two pitching prospects that I'm really looking at here in 2020 that can make an impact. Where does Brendan McKay fall in that conversation? Obviously, he is both a hitter and a pitcher. For the Rays, where we talked yesterday that they never are very sure what they're doing, where does Brendan McKay fall in that conversation? So I would rank him behind both of those guys, both Forrest Whitley and Michael Kopech, even though Brendan McKay has a spot in the rotation from day one, or at least that's what we assume as of now, uh, heading into spring training with the Tampa Bay Rays. I think that he got rushed last year, Greg. If you remember, he really climbed through every level of the minors really quickly, where he started off in double-A, he tore it up there with a 1.30 ERA, then they promoted him to triple-A, he made about uh, six, seven starts there, and he had a zero. 
0.84 ERA. And I guess at that point, the Rays organization is looking at him and saying, look, how can we defend keeping him down? He's just dominating at every level. But I think he almost got rushed a little bit too much to the major league uh, too quickly here last year. And he doesn't have the same type of swing and miss stuff as some of these other starting pitchers we spoke about so far today. I don't even think he has the same type of upside. I think he kind of pans out somewhere as like, an SP3 or an SP4 from a major league level, from a major league standpoint, like real-life baseball. So I don't think he has as much upside. He might be a little bit safer in the long term, but even heading into the season, I think some of these other names on this list, in fact, every other name on this list probably has more upside than someone like Brendan McKay. And where you're taking them, you kind of want some of that upside, obviously. Mitch Keller, man, he's my number one guy. I think Brendan McKay's fun, right? You want that switch pitcher hitter uh, type of player. I I like Brendan McKay. I might have McKay, honestly, second after, um, because I think the upside might be a little bit higher for Brendan McKay, who's still 24 years old, than Caleb Smith, who's approaching 30. Um, So I might have Brendan McKay above Caleb Smith, kind of closer to to Griffin Canning. There's no doubt about it. Mitch Keller's my guy here this year. Yeah, that's fair. I think I like Mitch Keller the most out of this group as well. Uh, If I were ranking it right now, I would go Mitch Keller at the top. I would go Caleb Smith, then Griffin Canning, uh, and then I would probably have both Michael Kopech and Forrest Whitley ahead of Brendan McKay uh, as well, just because I think that the upside uh, is higher this upcoming season. But I could definitely be proved wrong uh, if Brendan McKay pitches anywhere close to how he did in the minor leagues last season, Greg. All right, there you go. Brendan McKay, let's see him explode in this full major league season that he's going to have. All right, Frank, are there any other pitchers you want to talk about? It is pitchers and catchers day. We're going to move on to the catchers, but is there any other pitcher you want to make sure we mention? No, I think we got to a lot there. We even threw a little curveball with Forrest Whitley in there as well. I think it's worth mentioning both him and Michael Kopech as the prospect starting pitchers that you want to target uh, late in your drafts this upcoming season or even in keeper leagues, right, Uh, where you want to take a shot on these guys maybe in the middle to later rounds. Uh, I think Forrest Whitley is a name to pay attention to as well. But we've got about 20 minutes left here on the show, Greg, so I would like to get to some catchers. It is Pitchers and Catchers Week here on the Fantasy BFFs. I would say week, week, week's a stretch. It's pitchers and catchers day pitchers for and, sure. Pitchers and but catchers let's catch, are arriving uh, all week long, you know, Greg? Sure, that, that, that's fair, uh, but it's not my birthday all week long. It's a, a dual celebration. I want to make sure we have time to celebrate me. You want to show so the video again? We can do that. to the catchers. Yeah, I can show the video again. I was, I was proud of that video, Frank. I'm sure Sandro is downstairs as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He should be. Scotty worked his ass off on that, and it was a beautiful video. See, Sean, like Sean is proud. Sandro is proud. Alex is doing a great job. Everyone's doing a great job today. I'm in a great mood. Fantastic mood. So I will uh, stop just speaking randomly. <laughs> on the catchers now. I got one minute to go. I just wasted all this time. Frank, I have two catchers on my fantasy team right now that I could keep. One is Wilson Contreras in the 11th round. The other is Will Smith in the 10th round. What do I do? I would go with Wilson Contreras personally just because uh, we've seen him do it for longer, Greg. And we're going to talk about Will Smith when we come back after the break. I like him. I think that he showed a lot of uh, interesting talent from last year based on what he did in the majors and the minors. Combined 35 home runs from the catcher position between the minors and the major leagues last season here, Greg. Wilson Contreras is someone that we've seen do it for much longer, Greg, and he's been uh, so consistent at the catcher position. So if you are deciding between one of these two guys, I would lean with Wilson Contreras. When we come back, I'll tell you why you actually should like Will Smith in 2020 as well. 
Because uh, he's awesome? That, that was easy. He, he's getting jiggy with it? Also a great answer. But Frank will have better answers in a moment. We'll talk more catchers here at the BFFs. Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash DUNK to learn more. Wow, I have some DMB for my birthday. Frank, this is fantastic. This is what the show should be. Do I know how to throw a birthday party or what, Greg? Let's go. You really do, man. Do you, want, do you know what I'm doing for my birthday? I told Sandra this um, a few months ago. I know he doesn't remember because it's not important. But you know what I'm doing tonight? Uh, you're going to go out to dinner with Mike Cardano, obviously, for your birthday. I am not. I had lunch with my Cardano, so I don't have to go out to dinner oh, right. with him. Now, for um, so for Judy's birthday back in November, I bought her tickets to see Hamilton, the Broadway show, uh, for her birthday. Uh, but I bought those tickets uh, to see the show uh, on my birthday. So we're seeing Hamilton tonight. Is that a good thing? Are you excited about that? <laughs> yeah, Hamilton's awesome, man. It's going to be great. Uh, Bougie Gray going to see Hamilton on his birthday. No surprises there. It was a present for Judy's birthday, man. Like, what? come on. Like, it was a present for her birthday. It was a nice thing to do. The only thing I screwed up on was I didn't check the Maryland schedule. They play at home against Nebraska tonight. And, Sean, I'll throw this to you, man, because you're in touch with this. 17 and a half points is way too many points for Maryland to ever be favored. That is correct, but Nebraska stinks. They lost by 11 at home to Michigan without their point guard, so it's possible 17 and a half. I don't think Maryland has beaten anybody by 17 and a half points this year. Maybe Marquette in, in uh, Orlando. Great, great. Dude, I love Nebraska, especially Nebraska in the first half. I'm just saying. All right. We want to catch you now because nobody cares anymore. All right. Frank's just like staring off being like, all right, move on now. All right. Let's get back to Will Smith. You like Will Smith, but you were telling me yesterday you don't like him at this value. Uh, why is that? Because Will Smith was great when he came up last year. Uh, bad at 300, I believe. Why don't you like Will Smith where he's going, but you do like him as the player? Yeah, I like the player, Will Smith. The problem is he's going ahead of Salvador Perez right now, Greg, and I don't think that that should be the case. And we're going to talk about Salvador Perez uh, in just a little bit. I like what I saw from Will Smith last year. Again, he had 35 home runs combined between the minors and the major leagues. He actually struggled against left-handed pitching. It's weird because he's a right-handed batter, uh, and he actually crushed left-handed pitching in the minor leagues last season. He hit 281 with an OPS over 1,000 against left-handed pitching in the minors last year. So I would expect him to improve against left-handed pitching in the majors in two, in 2020. Uh, one of the problems we see here, Greg, is he hit 253. His expected batting average was 225. And the reason for that is his launch angle was actually just way too high. Like, we want people to hit fly balls. We want them to hit line drives and raise their launch angle, uh, especially if they've you know hit too many ground balls in the past. The problem is his average launch angle was 23.7 degrees, and he had a, a fly ball percentage over 53%. So he was basically going up there swinging for the fences every single time. 
uh, he was at the dish. So I think he has to bring that down uh, a little bit this season. He actually has good plate discipline. He had right around a 10% walk rate, Craig, uh, 26.5% strikeout rate. You don't like that. I think that could actually come down a little bit uh, based on his swinging strike rate. He actually didn't swing and miss all that much, so I think his strikeout rate is going to come back a little bit. And overall, the player that I'm expecting this upcoming season, around a 240 batting average, 20 to 25 home runs, uh, you know, 70, 75 RBIs. I think that that's a good player, but I think that Salvador Perez can actually be better than that. So uh, I just don't agree with Will Smith going ahead of Salvador Perez right now, Greg. I'm glad you brought it up because that's exactly the question I was going to ask you. Would you rather have Will Smith or Salvador Perez? Of course, Perez uh, missed the entire season uh, last year with an injury. Uh, This year... He'll come back and not just play catcher, which is something that has you excited. Yeah, he's going to play a little DH. He's going to play a little first base as well, Greg. And I was reading an article on The Athletic last night about the Royals' projected opening day roster, and I came across this quote from Salvador Perez. To miss a year, I know it's bad for the first time, but it helped me a lot. Healing, it helped me heal my body. So this is someone who played so much. If you remember, you know, he was like indestructible. He's basically playing every single day. He had 471 or more at-bats in six straight seasons. So, you know, that takes its toll on your body. He's coming off Tommy John surgery. We've seen a lot of hitters actually come back from Tommy John, and it hasn't affected them all that much. Like Glaber Torres, for example, has been perfectly fine, and I think that could be the case for Salvador Perez this upcoming season. I think the year off is actually going to do him Uh, a a ton of help, Greg, because again, this is someone that was beat up catching every single day for the Royals. You'll get some extra at-bats at DH, at first base as well. Uh, He has 21-plus home runs in four straight seasons, a career 265 hitter as well. I think he personally that he's just going to be better than Will Smith, so I don't really agree with Will Smith going ahead of him right now. Uh, Salvador Perez is actually one of my main catcher targets this upcoming season, Greg. Yeah, Perez, uh, healthier now, rested, as you said, and always pretty good. And the fact that he plays every freaking day at catcher is so much um, so much more than so many other catchers give you. And it just kills you when you get that 240 batting average, not enough home runs, too many strikeouts, and then you don't even get the guy to play every day. At least Salvador Perez will be out there, whether it's at catcher or first base. We don't care. He's catcher eligible, which is the most important thing. Let's move on to some of these... I guess not top five, six, seven guys. The catchers that you're getting a little bit later that maybe you're considering as second catchers in two catcher leagues. Maybe just somebody that you have a good feeling on. And last year, for many fantasy owners, Frank, that guy was Omar Navarez for the Seattle Mariners. But he's not in Seattle anymore. He's in Milwaukee. We know what Yasmani Grandal did last season for the Milwaukee Brewers. Why can't Navarez do it again? So I was looking into Omar Nervaez, and I already own him on one of my draft champions leagues. I kind of regret the pick right now, and I want to go back and change it, and here's why, right? So I looked into Omar Nervaez uh, as a left-handed batter. He really struggled against lefties last year. A 227 batting average, a 699 OPS. Against right-handed pitching, he was a 289 hitter with an 836 OPS. So there's a chance that we could see him uh, platoon from the catcher position as well. Uh, he wound up hitting two... 78 last year with an expected batting average, Greg, uh, of just 254. His average exit velocity was not very exciting. Uh, and he wound up hitting 22 home runs. He had a great season. You know that I was on Revias last year. I had him basically everywhere. He hit 22 home runs last year. And the year before that, he hit nine home runs. The year before that, he hit two home runs. 
he kind of strikes me as someone that was helped out by the juiced ball uh, last year, which is something you know we're going to try and have to figure out how to quantify this upcoming season, Greg. But Omar Narvaez's profile strikes me as somebody who was helped by the juice ball uh, last season. I think he could still have a fine year, maybe like a 260 to 270 hitter, 15, 16 home runs, which is fine from a catcher too. But uh, if you're expecting him to come close to what he did last year, I don't think that that's going to happen. Are we so sure you bring up the juice ball and how it affected Omar Omar Nevaez's game? Are we so sure that the juice ball is going anywhere? No, we're not sure. I mean, that's something to pay attention to throughout spring training. You know, a lot of people, Greg, say uh, spring training is meaningless. I think this is actually one of the storylines we have to pay attention to throughout spring training. If you remember during the playoffs last year, I went to a few Yankee postseason games, and there were a few balls that died on the warning track where in the regular season, those balls would have been way out in Yankee Stadium. So I think we saw them already go back to the regular ball that they were using in years past in the postseason last year. So I think that the assumption is they're probably going to use that same ball heading into 2020. But you're right. There's no way for us to know exactly. I like their bias, man. I think he's a guy that you, you don't really have to spend anything on, and I think you're getting him uh, cheap enough, those home runs. Maybe if they were inflated, the average, man, 278 for a catcher, you have to like that. The Babbitt wasn't crazy at 306. Uh, I think the hard hit percentage, you want it to be higher. That's a big bugaboo for me, under 30% for hard hit percentage for Nevarez. Uh, I assume the home run to fly ball ratio was high. 60% wasn't crazy. So I like their bias. I, I think he doesn't cost you much, and I think you should be happy that you own one of the few teams that you do already, Frankie. Yeah, like he's fine as a catcher too. I don't know that I would want him to be a yeah. catcher one. And you know, here's what I will say, touching on you know what you said. I about think the it's okay. Average. I think it's okay as a catcher one. And what you said about the batting average and the BABIP, he is someone who always hits a lot of line drives. A 27.5% line drive rate for his career, and last year that was at 26% again. He is someone that year in and year out, makes uh, hits a ton of line drives. So obviously that's going to help with the Babbitt. That's going to help with the batting average. Uh, I just want to see him play better against left-handed pitching this upcoming season. If that's the case, then he probably can maintain this 275, maybe a 280 batting average in 2020. The catcher that I pushed on us as our second catcher in all the leagues we were together is Frank, was Francisco Mejia. And he didn't do very, very well in his first season in San Diego. Didn't play enough. This year, he is projected to be the starting catcher. Is that enough for you to invest? Yeah, I'm interested in Francisco Mejia, especially in these two-catcher leagues and in these 15-team roto leagues where you know, you're going to be deep diving, scraping the bottom of the barrel anyway when it comes to the catcher position, uh, assuming you spend up. Uh, assuming you don't spend up on someone like a JT Realmuto or a Gary Sanchez, but you're looking at upside for at the position, and he's still just 24 years old. He doesn't turn 25 until October, so in his age 24 season, and he's someone that I still believe does have upside, Greg. Last year, in 79 games, he hit 265. And we saw what he did at the minor league level as well. He was someone who hit at every single level of the minors was Francisco Mejia. Eight home runs, just 27 runs scored, 22 RBIs. But it was hard for him to get into a flow last year because he was constantly splitting time with Austin Hedges. And Hedges is still there. He's probably going to just be uh, mainly the backup catcher this upcoming season. But I think this is the year that the Padres kind of unleash Francisco Mejia. And everyone wants a piece of the Padres lineup right now. Manny Machado. And, you know, with Fernando Tatis Jr. and all the other names in that lineup, everyone wants a piece of the Padres lineup. It seems like we almost have, like, prospect fatigue 
when it comes to Francisco Mejia. And I think because of that, you're getting him at a discount. I believe this is the first year that he is going to start and play full-time regularly for the Padres. It wouldn't surprise me if he hits like 270 with close to 20 home runs this upcoming season, which might actually working, uh, work out to be better than Omar Nervaez in 2020. Frankie, you got 10 seconds here on Carson Kelly. Uh, Carson Kelly, the power potential is real. He comes with prospect pedigree as well. Just please, Diamondbacks, give him the opportunity to play every day. Get Steven Vogt out of here, Greg. He is Frank Stanfield. My name is Greg Sussman. Thank you so much for watching and listening to BFF. Thanks to Sean and Alex in our control room. Pharrell, Coast to Coast, comes your way next. For Frank Stanfield, I'm Greg Sussman. We'll do it all again tomorrow. We hope. We hope. Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash DUNK to learn more.